Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, great to have you uh, here this morning. This morning, we're in our um, second message in the series of Good News in a Bad News World. And as we begin this morning, I want to tell you that what I'm going to say is in some ways a very difficult thing to hear. And in many ways, it's a very difficult thing for me to say. But I must say this to you in truth and in love, because this is part of the good news story. We began last week with God, and now we turn this week to look at people, to look at ourselves and see what God would have us in this good news story. Again, like what I'd like you to do, um, if possible, is say hi to one another. Just like you're coming into church, maybe you say hi to everybody. Um, so do that. Let's say hi to one another. It's good to know uh, that people are there. If you want to stay anonymous, by all means, do that as well. Uh, there is no need uh, to say hi if you don't want to. But I just en encourage you to, to do that and say hi to one another. And especially, let me, let me say this to you especially, if you're not used to being in church or going to church or listening to something like this, can I just say, I'm so glad that you are here and I'm so glad that you are watching. And could I just ask ask you to do this for me uh, for this next couple of weeks. Could you just hear me out for the next four or five Sundays? Could you just ask yourself, is this true? Is what he is saying is true? And then at the end of that, you can consider it all rubbish if you want. But all I would ask you to do is listen to these messages in full and just hear me out if possible. Again, let's say hi to each other. Let's welcome each other. And let's um, click that start button down here. We want to share this good news with others, with our friends, with our family. And so I'd just encourage you, let's, let's share this out with people um, by clicking that right now. And then next Sunday, we will be talking fully about Christ on Easter Sunday. And we would love if you could join us there. So what do I mean by when I say um, that what I need to tell you is a very difficult um, thing to say and in many ways a, a difficult thing for you to hear? Here's what I mean. A few years back, um, my wife and I, we were living in Chicago in, in the States. And as we were living there in the States, we had two children there. Our first was our daughter. And one night we were um, reading, reading Bible stories with her like we, we do every night. And we were reading her story and we, we finished the song and we, we said our, our little prayer. And, and we got up and we got her to bed um, quite late that night, I remember. And then as I was getting up off the bed, I saw her jumping on the bed. And if any of you who are parents are watching, there, there are these moments you have when you're, when you're looking at your kid, when you're watching your child and you know something bad is going to happen. You can just see it happening before it even happens. And so my daughter, she was bouncing on the bed and there was this bookshelf right beside her, this hard edge bookshelf. And as she was bouncing, of course, she bounced over towards the bookshelf and I dived to stop her and I was too late and she cracked her head off the bookshelf. And we knew the cut was so deep that she would probably need stitches. It was now maybe half nine at night in, in, in central Chicago and we knew it was going to be a long night. 
and we brought her into the hospital and, and we waited and we finally got seen at one o'clock in the morning and it was time for them to stitch her head. So what they did is they got this kind of, I kid you not, this white um, straitjacket type thing to hold her arms down. And my job as her dad was to kind of lean over her softly but, but firmly to, to hold her down and make sure she was still while she was getting her stitches. And what I was trying to do in that moment was con convince her that what we were doing was, was not harming her. What we were doing was actually helping her. But it was very hard for her to see. And that's what I want to remind you of this morning. What I'm going to do, you are going to feel like I am harming you, but actually what I am doing is helping you. I would rather possibly offend you in this world and have you spend eternity with the Savior, if you would respond. And so what am I talking about? What is hard for me to say and, and hard for you to hear? And it is this fact that all of us, all of us are sinners. But here, here is the crazy thing. We are not just sinners by the actions that we do, by what we do. The Bible tells us that we are sinners by nature. That our sin isn't just what we do, our sin is part of who we are. And you say that doesn't really, really sound right because last week you told us that we were made in the image of God. And you told us that there was this beauty in that. And there is, there is a beauty in the fact that you were made in the image of God. You are made with, with value and dignity and worth in the image of God. You are, are beautiful in the image of God. And yet what you need to know is that image of God, while still there, has been distorted, has been blurred in some way, has been broken in some way. When you think of image, we think image nowadays is really important, looking at images and seeing images. So I know that even as I'm recording this, it is important that the image is going okay. Because if it's not good, then you're not going to watch. And as I, I thought of images and was thinking about this, I remember uh, one of the last uh, 3D films that I saw. I was sitting down in the cinema and we didn't know that we had bought a, a 3D ticket. There was two options, 2D and 3D. We had bought the 3D ticket and we sat down and we started watching the movie. And what happened was, as you start to watch the movie without the glasses on, you see that the image is all blurred and distorted and it doesn't seem to make sense. You see, it's not that the image is not there. The problem is that the image is distorted. And so it is with us. The problem is, is, is not that the image is not there. The image of God is there. But now that image of God has been distorted. There is no question, like I said, in Genesis 1.27, when it says this, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There is no doubt that we are made beautifully and wonderfully in the image of God. But while I said there was a beauty to that image, I also told you that there was a responsibility to that image. And the responsibility for the people of God was to live before him, was to represent him, was to obey him, was to follow him. And unfortunately, Adam and Eve failed. 
And the moment that they failed was the moment that the image of God was distorted and broken. Still there, but not the way it should be. And so we hear what happened to humanity in Romans 5 verse 12. Listen to what it says. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. The reason this image got distorted, the reason we have a sinful nature is because when Adam disobeyed God in the garden, Sin spread to all of humanity. That is when sin entered the world. That is when physical death entered into the world. And that is when spiritual death entered into the world. It was spread to all humanity. And we know it was spread to all humanity because all of us have sinned. Every single one of us has turned away from God. It spread through Adam. As you think of this virus, it is really interesting when you look at this virus that is happening now. What they're trying to do, I was reading this article this week, what they're trying to do is find what they call patient zero. If they can find patient zero, the one who the virus is spread from, then they can detect where the virus is possibly spread and contain it. And so I was reading in in Washington, patient zero was actually a clergy, a clergyman, who was in who was in a a, a conference um, for for priests or whatever, and then he came back into Washington, and then he, he was spreading it out to his congregation. It started with one man and spread to all the rest. So it is with our sin and our sin nature. It started with one person and it spread to all the rest. All of us have a sin nature. And our sin is not just the things we do, it's part of who we are. Listen to the words of Jesus, what Jesus said in Matthew 15. He says this, Matthew 15, 18. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts and murder and adultery and sexual immorality and theft and false witness and slander. What Jesus is saying here is that from the heart come our evil actions. From the heart comes anger. From the heart comes lying. From the heart comes evil thoughts. I want you to think about that for a second. Think for a second about your thoughts. Just think about your thoughts for a moment. Have you ever had a thought that has popped into your mind and you've wondered to yourself, where did that come from? You know, surely that thought wasn't mine. Surely that didn't come from me. But what Jesus is saying here is that thought did come from you. Because what Jesus is saying is all our thoughts come from our hearts, from within us. Therefore, we're without excuse. Every single one of us has sinned. Let me ask you another question. Have you had a fight this week? Seriously, have you had a fight this week? We were talking about this in, a, in our Bible study on, on Friday night. We, were, we had a Zoom Bible study and we were talking about this reality of, of fighting. Have you had a fight this week? 
I would say this is the truth in most of the houses in this nation right now. People are fighting. They're arguing with one another. They're, they're quarreling with one another. It's happening in every home. It's happening in our home. It's happening in your home. But let me ask you this question. Where did that fighting come from? Where did it come from? What James tells us in, in James chapter 4 is, is quite interesting. He tells us where this fighting has come from. James 4 verse 1 says this. What causes fights and what causes quarrels among you? That's the question. What's the cause of the fights? What's the cause of the quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Do you hear what James is saying in James chapter 4? You fight and you quarrel because of the desires that are within you, within your heart. Our fight problem shows us that we have a heart problem. Most of the time we think our fights are, are the problem with someone else or what someone else has done and we make all these excuses. But from the heart, the mouth speaks. This is a problem that every single one of us has, including me. This is hard to hear. And what makes it even worse is that this includes everybody. There is no one free from this sinful nature that we have. This includes everyone. This is the point of, of Romans 3 when Paul says these words. Listen to when he says, no one. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Did you hear that? No one, no one, no one, no one. Which means that everyone has sinned. This is what it says in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I believe those no ones mean no one. There is no one righteous before God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you might say, Shane, Shane, no, there, there's got to be someone. There can't be no one. There has got to be someone that is in and of themselves good. This can't be who we are. This can't be our nature. And do you know why I know that, Shane? It's because people are good. People do good things. They do charitable things. They do commendable things. And so that surely means that we as people are ultimately Good. And what I would say is this. I think you are right in this sense. 
people in this world do very good things. They do very charitable things and very commendable things. I was struck a few years back, and I've shared this before because I was so struck by it. A few few years back, there was this ad campaign in the States. And it was an ad campaign with ads on the sides of buses. And on the sides of buses, they had pictures of certain people with a message. And one picture was a picture of Bill Gates. And on the bus, this message said this. Second, with a picture of Bill Gates, second richest person in the world, donated 26 billion to charity. Bill Gates is good without God. Are you? And you see, when I look at this, this is good in one sense. What he has done is is charitable. It is commendable. It is kind. It is good. And yet there is a problem, isn't there? On another ad, there was another guy, Warren Buffett. And on the ad at the time, a few years ago, it said about Warren Buffett, third richest person in the world, pledged to give 99% of his wealth to charity. Warren Buffett is good without God. Are you? And again, you would have to say, this is commendable. This this is good. This is right. But there is something wrong. It is not from a heart that pleases God. You see, we can do all the good things that we like in this world, but isn't it possible for a person to do a good thing with a bad heart? If I was to come home and say to my son, listen, could you go up and clean your room? And he runs upstairs and he storms and he slams and he screams and he goes up and he and he cleans his room. He puts his toys away. He even makes his bed, which would be a miracle. And then he walks downstairs and he slams the door and says, I've done it. He did a good thing. He did the right thing. But he did it with the wrong heart. That is still possible. And then we turn to Hebrews 11. Verse 6, when it gives us some clarity by saying this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It is impossible to please God without faith. You can do all of the good things you want in this world. And yet none of them. None of them will be pleasing to God unless you have faith. And so here's why this heart problem is something we need to consider. Because this heart problem is serious. Our sin is serious. Even for the Christians watching here this morning. I'm concerned for many of us because I don't think we see how serious our sin is. Sometimes we're confused about what sin really is. Even as Christians, we we don't really have a full comprehension of what it is. I loved in Greg Gilbert's little book um, on the gospel. It's a wonderful book. I commend it to you. 
He talks about the reality of the fact that we confuse our sins with different things. In other words, we confuse our sin with the effects of sin. We think our sin is just guilt or, or purposelessness or, or those things. We confuse our sin with the effect of sin. We also confuse our sin with just merely a broken relationship. We play our sin down and just say, oh, it's just a, a broken relationship between us and God. And, and while it is that, it's not like the broken relationships that we have on this earth. It is much more serious than that. Our sin is not just a list of things that bad things that we do. Our sin is part of who we are. It is incredible that I may never have met you and you may never have met me, but I know something about you and you know something about me. And what is that? That we have either said something wrong, thought something wrong, or done something wrong. I know that about you and you know that about me, yet we may never have even met. What you and I are acknowledging is this, is that all have sinned. And those things that we say and do and think, they don't come from outside of us. They come from the heart, which means we have a serious problem. And do you know why I think we need to take sin so seriously? Is because Jesus took sin seriously. I want you to hear the words of Jesus and stay with me and just listen to these words as I read them. These are the words of Jesus, not of shame of Jesus, who many of you might even acknowledge, this is a good teacher, he was a moral man, he was a good example, yet listen to the words that he says. In Matthew 9, he said these words, And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Jesus took sin seriously. And what Jesus, Jesus is not saying, you need to physically tear out your eye or physically cut out your arm or physically cut off your leg. What Jesus is saying is this, listen to me, Christian or non-Christian, what Jesus is saying to you and me is take sin seriously. If there is something that is causing sin in your life, cut it off. It is better that way than to enter into hell. And there's two ways that people talk about this reality of hell. And you may have heard both of them. And I believe both are wrong. 
Some people, they shout at you the reality of hell. And some people, they remain silent to you and the reality of hell. Yet what I want to propose to you with a broken heart is that Jesus says, hell is real. The fire is unquenchable. And the result is everlasting. Sin is so, so serious. That is why I love the good news of Jesus. Because he can forgive us of all our sin. That is why Jesus came and died that death on the cross for you and me. That he might take the punishment that our sins deserve and that he might bear it on the cross for you. That you may bear your sin no more. He was nailed on the cross for our sins that we could be set free. And all you need do this morning is confess your sins to him. Listen to what John says. The last verses I'll read to you. 1 John, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that just beautiful? That if you come and admit your sin and confess your sin before him, he will forgive you of it all, past, present and future. And if this is your first time hearing anything like this, all I would say to you simply is, is go to him and say whatever words you can, confessing your sin before him, and you too will have eternal life. And for my Christian friends watching this, isn't this the greatest news in the world? And I would just urge you, don't leave your sin aside. Treat your sin seriously. If something is causing you to sin today, cut it off. Confess your sin before him and live in his forgiveness, knowing that there is therefore now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What wonderful, wonderful news we have. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray right now for all of us. And afterwards, we are going to have a song. I'm going to play that for you. And as you uh, listen to the song and hear the song, what I'm going to give is, is opportunity for you to reflect in the comments below. Maybe ask a question. Maybe there's a verse that has come to mind. Maybe you just want to give praise to God. Maybe you want to say and admit that for the very first time you are confessing your sin and believing in Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity right now during this song. But let me pray first. Lord, we thank you that we get the opportunity here to look at your word. 
And Lord, I know many of these words have been hard to hear. Lord, they have been hard for me to say. But Lord, we know that the good news shines brighter when we hear the reality of the bad news. When we hear the reality of our sin, what you have done on the cross and your raising again becomes all the more glorious. And so, Lord, I pray for each one here watching that, Lord, you would convict of sin and draw us to yourself, the Savior. Amen. Well, right now I'm going to um, get the song. Uh, the song is called O Come, um, You Sinner. And so let me pull this up for you um, right now. And again, this is by Sovereign Grace, who have allowed us to, um, very kindly allowed us to play their songs. Um, so we are very grateful uh, for that. Please uh, listen into the words. Please listen into um, this song. Please take this time to reflect and share a verse with us and share your thoughts.
Amen. Wonderful um, scripture, wonderful song. Um, yeah, it's just amazing. Amazing words to an amazing uh, song and hymn. So now I'm just going to take this opportunity um, to interact with you guys a little bit and, and see what the reflections are that people may have uh, right now. So please uh, feel free to share some of that. If you, if you have some of that um, right now, please, please do let us know uh, that you're here. Let us know uh, what thoughts um, you may have. Steve Keating shares uh, Romans 5 verses 6 to 8. Let me read that to you. For while we were weak, at the right time, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The reality is Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the sinners. And so if you see that in yourself this morning, if, if something I have said shows you, yes, I am a sinner, there is good news for you. Christ died for people like you. Christ died for people like me, the ungodly and the sinners. At the right time, at the perfect time, we see in, in the Gospel of John, you know, Jesus says continuously, he talks about this idea of the hour. And constantly he says, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. And then finally in, in John 17, when Jesus is praying before the Father, he says, Father, my hour has come. The time has come for me to die. At just the right time, Christ died for us. Perfect, perfect timing. Um, wonderful to have these messages from people um, saying hello and, and saying um, that you've received uh, the message and uh, that they are powerful words. Thank you, um, Emer. Thank you, uh, Debbie and um, Julia and all you people um, viewing in and commenting and, and seeing this. Is there any um, other things that you guys might want to share right now? Hi, Lisa. Good to uh, see you. Great to have you here. Wonderful. Um, Andrew, Jesus died for you. He calls you to live for him. And that is exactly right. Jesus um, Christ died on the cross for us and then he calls us to respond um, to that death on the cross for us respond in living our lives for him. The first response is to confess our sins before him and then what we are to do is to live our lives out for him. Not in our own strength, not by our own works, not by our own power, not by our own might, but by him and him alone. In Ephesians 2.10, it tells us in, in Ephesians, it says, 2 verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He has not saved us by our good works, but he has prepared these works beforehand for us to do that we can truly live for him. 
Valerie sharing uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you, Valerie, for sharing that verse. Um, that was a verse that I wanted to share this morning. I, I cut it out, but I'm so delighted it is back in. Thank the Lord that we have uh, this time uh, to do this and uh, share this. Um, Christ Jesus was made sin. What it's talking about there is this amazing transfer that has happened between us and Christ. And it is this, that for those who have believed and trusted in Christ Jesus, he takes all of our sin, past, present and future, and he takes it and it is nailed to the cross. But then the wonderful thing is this, if we have believed in him by faith, not only has he taken all of our sin, but he gives us then all of his righteousness so that we who are sinners might then be counted just and right before God, not because of what we have done, but all because of what he has done. Uh, Thank you, Florence, for uh, coming in. Thank you for uh, sharing uh, this time. Ephesians uh, 2 um, verse 13 comes in from the O'Briens. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ Jesus. Um, I hope that you got that reality this morning. That in many ways, in many senses, we are far away from God because of our sin. But in Christ, we can be brought near to him. We were so far away. Back in the Old Testament, when you look at Leviticus chapter 16, you see how far away people had to be from the presence of God. That only once a year could a high priest come in to the Holy of Holies and enter into the the place where the Shekinah glory of the Lord would descend. And that was the only time that he could enter. But now the gates have been opened wide whereby all of us through Jesus might enter into his presence, might draw near to him through the blood of Jesus and we might have confidence to come to him and before him. Um, Again, for some reason, I can't see any comments that are lower than uh, below the the most recent four. Um, So I'm sorry about that if some of you are, have replied or asked questions beforehand or, or said things beforehand, I apologize. I can only see uh, the latest um, comments coming up here before me. Can I just say thank you to all those who participated? Um, I find this encouraging for myself, um, uplifting for myself. I know the words that I have said are in some ways uh, difficult and maybe hard for some of us to understand. But this is what makes the good news so good, that Jesus at the right time died for the ungodly, died for those of us who are sinners. Uh, Let me read a couple of verses as they come in. Um, Julia uh, sending this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That's a wonderful truth that Jesus has not come to call those who who think that they are right, who think that they are good before God. Maybe this morning you're saying to yourself, I am not good before God. I know that I am not righteous before him. Well, that is good news for you. 
because Jesus has come. He is the great physician. He is the one who, who, who heals this sin nature that we have. And we therefore are forgiven in him. Jeddah, great to have you and Sue Ellen and the family uh, with us. Romans 8 verse 1. And what I love so much about Romans 8 verse 1 is Romans 7, um, the chapter beforehand. Romans 7, where Paul says, I keep doing these things that I don't want to do. And, and the good I want to do, I, I cannot do it. And I, and I cannot live for God. And he, and he comes at the end of chapter 7 and he says, wretched man I am. Who will rescue me? Who will rescue me from this body of death? And then he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then we go wonderfully in to Romans chapter 8 verse 1, where it says, therefore which is the big conclusion of everything you have heard. Therefore, there is now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Before we were in Adam, but now through faith, we are in Christ Jesus. And therefore, listen to me, there is no more condemnation for you if you believe in him by faith and faith alone. Let me finish um, by reading to you, again, my catchphrase, some of my favourite verses, <laughs> um, Romans 8. Uh, now that I'm reminded of it, I love how Romans 8 begins and I love how Romans 8 ends. And after I read this, we will play one last song. It says this. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We see his love for those of us who are sinners in Christ Jesus. What I want to do right now is play for you one last song and the song is called All I Have Is Christ. And so we're going to finish on that. Please do um, join us next Sunday for our special Easter uh, Sunday service. We have a couple of new things coming your way and so we'd love for you to join us. I would encourage you, try and listen to this whole thing um, for the next few minutes. And if you feel like you need to leave, then God bless you. Thank you for your time uh, this morning. All I have is Christ.
Well, thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next uh, Sunday, Easter Sunday. Uh, God bless you. Thanks for joining us. Have a good day. Bye.